0: My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, Covenant, in Sterling. It's great to see you today. I love Sundays, and I love being here with you. Uh, We are going to continue today our series on our core values as we kind of continue to open up the year. We've already uh, observed our value of evangelism where Pastor Eddie helped us understand that worship is when we talk to God about who he is and evangelism is what happens when we talk to each other and other people about who God is and about how wonderful he is. And then last week, Pastor Eddie talked to us about lordship and and whoever our king is, whoever our hero is, that's who we're going to become like. And and in that way, it follows nicely that this week we're going to talk about discipleship. The value of discipleship. Now, when we think about these core values, um, as we've chosen these values of evangelism, discipleship, lordship, leadership, development, and family. These are values that we recognize at Grace Covenant Church as being significant ingredients to the most fulfilling and satisfying life in God and the healthiest relationships with one another. And so it's important that we pay attention during this series to these values because they they impact directly our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. In fact, if you come to a uh, pastoral appointment because you're having trouble with your finances or you're having issues in a relationship— we're going to ask questions directly pertaining to these things just to test out and to tease out where might the problem be. These are like vital signs in your relationship with God. And so, you know, when you go to the doctor, they, they, use, you, they take your weight, they take your heartbeat, they check your respiration level. They figure out how healthy you are by checking some vital signs. And are you in serious trouble or are you just in kind of a different kind of trouble? Right? And so what they do is they, they want to capture those things. And this is how we capture those things. And so even if you came in and you were like, hey, I'm having a hard time paying my bills. We'll be like, okay, well, what are the bills? But most of our conversation won't be about the bills. Most of our conversation is going to be about, tell me about your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you come to know him? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you relate to God in any way on the regular basis? Tell me about your relationship with your family. Tell me about your relationship with the, the church community. Tell me about how much you invested your time and effort into teaching or training other people to walk into what God has for them. And as we have those kinds of conversations, foundational things start to become exposed. And so you'll learn about yourself and we'll learn about yourself as well in that process. But that's why these core values are important. And, and that's why we're, we're taking time to talk about them. And we're actually taking five weeks to talk about them for that for that reason. Today as we talk about discipleship, my goal isn't to shock the world, right? I'm not looking, we're not going to, I'm not even going to use a Greek word. There will be no Hebrew mentioned. We're going to keep it real simple because I think discipleship needs to <laughs> amen. It, that was an elder. By the way, you can amen and say, like, oh, thank God. If, you, if like, like well, that's okay. Like, I'm there with you. But I feel like sometimes we overcomplicate church and we overcomplicate the following of Jesus and we overcomplicate our relationships with one another. And so uh, just for the sake of making sure that we all understand how attainable and achievable this Christian life is, I just, we're going to keep it simple. So if you, were, if you were stressed out this morning and worried about what was going to come from the pulpit, just take a deep breath, just relax. There will be some, some moments where I ask you to write something down. So if you, if you have a, a, something to write on and something to write with, or you've got a, a phone you can take a note on for yourself, um, go ahead and just have that ready because there are going to be three particular times that I want you to write down something, and I'll, I'll tell you when those are. So in the ministry of Jesus was, was bookended by two significant um, moments. One was an invitation and one was a commissioning. Mm-hmm. And everything in between was a, a preparation that occurred in the lives of the disciples for the commissioning that came at the end. The commission, uh, known in, in many circles as the Great Commission, is when Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And so we've got this Great Commission where Jesus tells his disciples to go and make disciples. And, and so sometimes we, we get so excited about that, and we're like, so let's go make disciples! But without ever considering, what does it actually mean to be a disciple? And, and what is this thing that we call discipleship? And so today, my, my focus and my energy is going to be on the first part. It's going to be on the invitation of Jesus and what exists for us in the invitation of Jesus to follow him. Uh, but before I do that, I want to I talk about, I want to define what a disciple is. A disciple is a person who takes on the values, lifestyle, and mission of the one that they follow. That's my own definition, so you might find a better definition anywhere else. But that's, that's how I, I've come to understand what it means to be a disciple. So it's someone who follows someone else and takes on... Not just, not just the quirks or the teachings of, but, the, but takes on wholeheartedly the values as their own, the lifestyle as their own, and the mission as their own. In in today's world in the church, we, we tend to be, uh, we tend to think and go, oh, well, I've got to go to church on Sunday, and then if I go to, you know, anything else, that's like extra, and it, it earns me extra credit with God. Right? And so we were like, like, man, I not only I went to church and I gave, and so that's like extra. And, and if I serve in kids ministry once a month, actually, I think you deserve a special place in heaven. <laughs> but, but, but I'm pretty sure that it, God sees it as just reasonable service. Right? So, you know, so as we, as we walk this thing out, We can kind of get about a routine but totally miss the values and totally miss the lifestyle and totally miss the mission of God because we're busy just checking off boxes and trying to move through things. And it's my desire today that we would move beyond checking off boxes and that we would move to a place where we allow God to convict us and God to inspire us about the life that's possible for us as we respond to his invitation to follow. So if a disciple is someone who takes on the values, lifestyle, and mission of the one they follow, discipleship then is the process of taking on the lifestyle, values, and mission. And it's a, it's a, it's a process that's worked out with one another. And I'll, I'll get to that in just, in just a minute. But the, the primary word that I want you to catch here is that it's a process. Family, I'm in a process. Of taking on the values, the lifestyle, and the mission of God in my own life, in my own flesh, in my own heart, and in my own mind. And it's not hard for me to get distracted from that process sometimes. Right? I, I mean, even this morning, I, somebody asked me, hey, how you doing? I said, I got nothing to complain about. I, like, things are good. And then I edited my comment. I was like, wow, I was complaining earlier. <laughs> I, mean, I was complaining earlier, but I shouldn't have been. Right? Because I'm in, a, I'm in a process of God working on my heart and working the junk out of my life so that I can love my wife better and I can love my family better. I can love this community better. And most importantly, so that I can love God better. Wow. Yeah. And so it is a process. Everybody say, I'm in a process. And thank you for making it personal instead of being like, David's in a process, right? <laughs> you're like, that's right, he's in a process. And actually, that's the truth. I mean, if you've known me for any period of time, I've given you the opportunity to see my process, right? You've seen my undiscipled moments. You've seen my process moments. Those moments where you're like, oh, he's, he's, still, he's still in process. He's not, he's, he's not arrived Anywhere yet? He's he's just kind of stumbling forward, but man, he gets up every time. And so that's a very real part of the the process. And so what I want to do is I want to look at uh, today. We're going to look at Matthew four verse nineteen. So if you could stand to your feet, we'll read this together. It's a nice short passage. So you won't get too tired. I, w- I preached at our sister church in Harrisonburg recently. I made them read basically a whole chapter of the Bible. If people were ready to quit. I was like, they were sitting down. They, weren't, <laughs> they stopped reading. It was like a strike. I was like, no! So it's easy today. It's really, so, And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's God's word for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would inspire faith in us today, that we would lean into you, that we would hear your, your call, your draw, that we would be uh, burdened, God, with, with joy, and we would uh, find ourselves in a place of great expectancy for what you have for us, in you and in one another. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How about burdened with joy? Did that phrase confuse you? I want us to be weighed down with joy. Right? Um, So um, the life of the disciple, this verse shows us, has three components. And we've talked about this before, but there's the call to follow Jesus. That's the follow me part. And then he says, and I will make you fishers. And so what we see here is he's speaking to a group of people. So there's this plural invitation. So we have the call to follow Jesus that brings with it community, Fishers of men, and it brings with it also the mission. And so what we have is a following of Jesus and a placement into community, and we're given a mission. My guess is that if you're bored or uninterested in the Christian life, it's because you've lost one or more of the, the, the legs of this stool that we're to sit on. And so what happens is we can be so about following God that we totally disregard the people that God has placed us with. Or we totally forget about the mission that he's placed us on. And we're like, I'm just going to spend time with the Lord and I'm just going to meditate and I'm just going to rest in his presence and I'm just going to soak, soaking (laughs) in the presence of God, just turn on worship music and just reflect and just meditate. And we've forgotten everything. Everything else that he's given us to help make this life more fulfilling and to allow us to be more shaped into his image. I thought I was the most excellent of Christians when I was single. I was basically Jesus. Bold. So wrong. I was so holy. And I was so pure because I didn't have anybody to expose the lack of those things, the total absence of those things in my life, right? I would fast and I'd I'd be fasting, I'd be like, fasting's awesome. All you people just not liking fasting, it's great. Yeah, it's great when you're not eating and then you just go to sleep when you're tired. It's a whole nother thing when you're fasting and you haven't eaten all day and you come home and you've got, you know, someone to engage with. Who's the most awesome person on the face of the earth? someone who's so amazing, (laughs) but somehow it reveals all these kind of things in you (laughs) that are so wrong. And then you've got these extraordinary little children (laughs) that you just want to punt. It goes from daddy, 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 I love you to get off of me, you know, to like, it's like, who are you, child? It's, it's so, so, so we got this, so, but I got married and we had kids and then I'm like, oh, I'm not as far along in this process as I thought. And so sometimes we, sometimes we can be unsatisfied in our relationship with God because we focus so much on the community and so maybe sometimes so much on the mission that we've forgotten about relating well to God himself. And the community will never satisfy the longings in your heart that God has for you. The community of God will, will, will stir you, will encourage you, will call you up, will challenge you. It'll agitate you. It'll make you aware of, of your places of sinfulness. It'll make you aware of your places of selfishness. But, but only God can truly satisfy that longing. And some of us, we've got God in our community, but we don't have the mission, and, and so we find ourselves kind of, kind of bored with the same old, same old, because it's built around us, and it's missing a, a really incredible, uh, really uh, important uh, part of God's invitation to follow him. So his invitation includes these three parts. And so I would just ask you to consider as we go through this message, which area are you, are you weakest in and where might God be calling you to lean into in this time, in this season uh, of, of life? Maybe you're weak in the relationship with him and, and God's going to breathe on that and he wants to invite you into a, a deeper relationship with him where you would be comfortable laying your heart open before him and, and give him access to lead you and to guide you. Maybe you've, you've tried to live this Christian life without, without people because you've been hurt before and you're not sure if you can trust again. Somebody said something careless or somebody, you know, not meaning it. Or maybe somebody really came after you with guile. Somebody really was malicious towards you. And, and just as a self-defense mechanism, you put up some walls and you've been staying away from it. Maybe God's inviting you back into the community that he's, he's, he's desiring to place you into. And maybe some of you, you've got those first two things down. But you haven't yet engaged in the mission because it's scary, right? This, it's scary to go show love to people who might not love you back. It's scary to go to go engage people with with compassion and mercy who might not be compassionate and merciful back towards you. And so you've been holding back. So just consider that as we go, as we go through this. Um, two without three of these things, even one of these things, it's like it's like um, I don't know, it's like hickory dickory, and not saying the third one, it's stressful, right? It's like A, B, C, one, two, and we'll just move on. And then, and then, you know, it just, it just gets stressful. You're like, no, that doesn't make sense. That's like chips without salsa, right? It's just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work. Um, so what I want to do is I want to look at first, uh, <laughs> I want to look first at what it means to follow Jesus, to respond to that invitation to follow me. And so it's in following Jesus that most of what we long for is realized. I'm talking about the deepest yearnings. I'm not talking about the surface level things. I'm not talking about the fact that, you know, like I'm really jonesing for a, for a what are those donuts they were eating out there? Why am I blanking? Krispy Kreme. They're selling Krispy Kremes in the gym. Right? And so, so like that's been on my mind all morning. That's not the kind of longing that Jesus talks about satisfying. (laughs) That might come also later. But the the satisfaction and and the longings that he satisfies are the ones that have to do more deeply with our purpose and our meaning and our place. Who am I? Why am I here? I drove by a a car dealership. um, And and it said uh, the purpose of life is to make purpose of life. And it's like, ah, you know, okay, like you could make purpose of your own life. You could. And and you could live your whole life making your own meaning out of the existence that you have. But I also, like, I'm unsatisfied with that for my own life because I've seen the meaning that I've placed on things. And with my limited amount of experience, even with all the great people around me, I tend to make wrong meaning of things. My feelings are, are wrong. My feelings can get askew. I can emphasize the wrong thing and downplay the right thing. There's nothing comfortable about—I'll just tap on marriage again, right? There's nothing comfortable about, about, about much that comes in marriage, right? It's not easy. And that's why marriage can get messy. It's just, it's just not easy because I'm a mess, right? <laughs> you can amen. That's, that's cool. Um it's not easy because, because I'm, I'm a mess. And so if, if it's my job to make meaning or purpose out of marriage, I'm going to grow very dissatisfied with marriage very quickly because I would have designed the marriage that makes me the happiest. But God designed marriage to make me most complete. God designed marriage to give me what I, what I need. I would design marriage based on what I want. So... The, the life of our own purpose, the life of our own meaning uh, gets complicated because we're working only with the information that we have and from a selfish, selfish perspective. And what we have in Jesus is a, is a, is, is a God. What we have in Jesus is, is a person who will give us the, the meaning that we were built for the purpose that we were created for. And he'll satisfy those longings because he's the one who put them there in the first place. Ecclesiastes 4.11 says that eternity is placed in the hearts of man. That is what drives man to explore space and to to search the oceans and to climb mountains and to walk across Antarctica. It's because eternity is placed in our hearts. And so we're constantly looking out for meaning and looking out for purpose and looking out to, to be satisfied and to get something to fill us up. And it's a longing that was placed there by God so that he himself could fill it up in us. Jesus would take these fishermen, prostitutes, criminals, insecure people, overly secure people, and turn them from all of those kinds of things into revolutionaries who would go out and carry a message of love. And they would carry a message of compassion. They would carry a message of, that was convicting. It's a terrifying message. To say that there's a God in heaven. Have you, have you, sometimes I just, I, I, I think back on things and I'm like, it's no, it, I'm not surprised that governments don't want churches operating. Because it's most comfortable to be in charge when you're the, the most in charge. Yeah. And it's a terrifying thing to think that there's somebody more in charge than you are. and yeah. could wipe clean what you're in charge of at any time. Yeah. Right? It's kind of an insecure thing, Right. And so if you're a government and you're trying to create order and you're trying to create all these systems to serve and like protect and like let's say you're the best government ever and you're just, all you want to do is help people and keep everybody happy but there's someone outside of you who's more powerful than you? Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. And so at work, it's just frustrating. <laughs> but transformation, freedom, deliverance, safety. These aren't things that people came to Jesus with. These are things that happened as people joined Jesus by following him. You know, to these fishermen, he's like, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then this insecure dude climbs up in a tree and he's hiding because he's been robbing people. And, And Jesus is like, come on down, I'm having a party at your house. Prostitute comes and breaks a vial of scented perfume all over his feet. And he's like, guys, leave her alone. She sees me more clearly than you guys see me. Right? It's the it's to a woman with the issue of blood who was unclean. Nobody was supposed to touch her because of the because of the ceremonial law. He's like he's he didn't he didn't get touched and say, Ooh, gross, like who touched me? He said who touched me, but he wanted to know who had faith to approach me this way. And no issue was made of Jesus to this woman. In fact, if the narrator hadn't told us that she had an issue of blood, we wouldn't have known. Because Jesus responded to her the same way that he responded to everybody else. By meeting their greatest need. And so if we're faithful to bring to Jesus our greatest need, he's faithful to uh, address our, our greatest need. It's something that happens in the process. This, this fulfilling, this, this satisfaction, this longing fulfilled is, is realized as we follow Jesus. It's not something that's realized immediately and forever and you never have to reapproach it. It's a, it's a following of Jesus. It's a commitment to saying, hey, I'm just going with you everywhere that you go for as long as you're going. Yes. It's not, I'm going with you to, you know, 7-Eleven and then I'll figure it out. Like I'll follow you X far. I turn off my GPS at a certain point on a drive home when I know that I'm coming home, right? It's like, it's like if, I'm, if I don't know where I am um, and I'm driving back from a long distance, I'll have my GPS on, but as soon as I get to a certain, certain area, in the DC metro area, I turn it off because I know where I'm trying to get. Right, but the following of Jesus doesn't work that way. The following of Jesus is a commitment to follow him wherever he would go. And so you're not like, okay, God, I, I, I'm good here. I know where I am. I've been in this situation before. Let me turn off the GPS. I'll lead myself through this. Because he might be leading you to something different. Different than he had you. It's even different than he had you do before. I had this moment. I was visiting Denver last week, and I was, I was stressed out one day. Just stressed. I, I, was, I was thinking about all the things that have to happen between now and establishing the church and then really thinking about establishing a new church in a new city trying to think about God how do we even start a new church when you in a new city how does this work you right and so just feeling a lot of pre- I, I know how it works if, but I you don't you do but you don't yes. right okay got it whatever so so I'm stressed out right and I was like I'm just gonna drive into the mountains and just relax I'm like I'm done I, like, I don't even know what to do and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say hey the mountains don't have anything for you. That's good. I was like, yes, they do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I felt like that in my heart. I was like, how? Like, I just want to relax. And he goes, yeah, 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 I know. But you're stressed out. And if you go in the mountains, you're just going to pretend, you're just going to, it's just going to numb you for a minute. Family, I just want to let you know, ESPN doesn't have anything for the dis-ease in your soul. Uh, you know, that that bad relationship that you want to go back to doesn't have what you need for the agitation in your soul. That, that bottle doesn't have the, the medicine that you need for your soul. Alcohol doesn't have what you need. I mean, going back to it and going back to it and going back to it isn't going to satisfy those deepest longings, those deepest, and, and bring balm and healing to those deepest agitations in your soul soul. That's something that God desires to do alone. And so here's how it, here's how it worked for me. Um, I I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go to Starbucks and get some legal drugs and caffeine, right? Like some sanctified, no, not legal drugs like weed. They don't sell that at Starbucks. That's not at Starbucks. It's Denver, so I got to qualify it. They didn't, They didn't have that at Starbucks, just so you know. The brownies at Starbucks are still just regular brownies, even in Denver, in case case you're wondering. It's not, yeah. So it was like, I was going to go and just get caffeine, that legal drug. So, (laughs) wow. (laughs) I'm in a process. So I go and I, I sit down and I'm like, I, and I just start journaling and start talking to God, just, you know, in my heart and reading the Bible. And I'm just like, God, I'm just anxious. And I don't, and then as I began to, to hand over my burdens to Him, peace came to me. Yeah. And then I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of prompt me, to just say, Hey, David, you can go in the mountains now if you want. Because just an hour and a half earlier, the direction from the Holy Spirit was don't go to the mountains. You need time with me. You don't, you don't need to distract yourself. Yeah. You don't need to numb yourself. You don't need to hide yourself. You need to come and get healing. You need to come and get perspective. You need to come and get filled up. Now that you're filled up, go ahead and go in the mountains. Do whatever you want. <laughs> so I didn't go in the mountains. <laughs> I was like, I didn't, I didn't need them anymore. Yes. Yeah. They were good over there. Yeah. But I didn't need them. And maybe that's what your journey's like with alcohol. You've been going to alcohol for, to, for relief, to hide in, to escape into. Maybe God's saying, hey, not today. Yeah. Not tomorrow, come to me. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, go ahead and have a drink. And you might find that you're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You might just find that you're good because you've got what you really need. So you can fill in whatever your kind of go-to is, whatever it is that you go hide in with that analogy. Um, I, I hide in, in ESPN. I've actually blocked most sports sites on my phone because I would just disappear into it. Good sanctified sinfulness. Right? The kind that nobody will call you out on? Because it's like, oh, yeah, he's just on his phone all the time. You must like be reading his Bible. No. Okay, so we gotta keep going. We gotta keep going. So, um, so let's talk about let's talk about this together component. Follow me together. Um, God's design for discipleship is relationship. Now there was a there was a mmm, which was good, but I imagine that there were some groans I didn't hear. Mmm, like there's mmm, it's relationship, and there's mmm, it's relationship. And so, so you may have felt one way or the other. If you're an extrovert, you're like, people! And if you're an introvert, you're like, oh, dear God, can I just get Jesus? And <laughs> can, we, can we just have him, please? Discipleship is not a ministry. It's not a class. It's a commitment to regularly encounter Christ and to live with and among his people. He called them together very much on purpose because he knew that they would need each other. He called them together because he knew that they were going to learn as they followed Jesus individually, but then as they saw one another following Jesus and as they encourage and challenge one another and reveal aspects of one another's soul that wouldn't be revealed otherwise unless they were doing it together. I'll tell you some of the most beneficial conversations I've had in my walk with Christ. have been with Pastor Eddie when he's called me out on stuff that only he could see because he was the only one walking with me close enough to see it. And it's awkward when it happens. It's tough. You just kind of want to burn the building down just to cause a distraction, right? (laughs) He's like, hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, oh, fire! (laughs) Like, oh, Did you hear that? I think, I think there's a fire engine coming. <laughs> Go outside and check. Diversion. Um, <laughs> um, it was because I've walked closely with him enough that, it, that he was able to see it and he had enough courage and enough love to tell me about it. But um, so as we talk about relationship, there are three kinds of relationships that I want to touch on very briefly. Uh, and, and if you've been in church for very long, you may have heard about these kinds of relationships. Some people call it a Paul, a Barnabas, a Timothy. Um, I'm I'm calling it those with more experience, instead of old people. I really labored over that word, like those with more experience. These with more experience, um, these with more experience are are those who have been there before. J.C. Sherrod is somebody with more experience than me. He's been following Jesus for a long time. How long have you been married? That be 29 years. 29 years. There's a, there's a, Pastor Duke Bendix has been my pastor my, my whole life. And they like walking with them helps me see well what's, what's coming. And they can also see what's coming in my life and they can help me. And I'm so grateful for the times that they've stepped in and intervened, interceded into my life to help give context to where I am because I didn't understand maybe the decisions that I was making, the effect of the decisions I was making, the long-term trajectory of, of the results of the decisions that I was making. Um, Megan, Megan, actually, I, we, we were talking earlier in our marriage and we decided that there were some people that she could call if I was acting foolish. And, and there they were people that I was safe with. It was like, you can call them and tell on me, and, but, but just them. <laughs> and there were people that I wanted to be proud of me and people I was scared of. <laughs> but people that I couldn't, like, get around. Yeah. You know, like, because you know who you can lie to. <laughs> they were people I couldn't lie to. Yeah. And so every once in a while, I'd get this call out of the blue. <laughs> and he'd be like... Hey, David, how you doing? I just thought I'd call and check in on you. And I'd be like, shoot. That wasn't internal. That was outside. That was out loud. It was like, I messed up, didn't I? And they're like, oh, you real messed up. I was like, okay, let's talk. (laughs) What's wrong? (laughs) My soul is jacked up. I'm angry. I'm depressed. I'm frustrated. I'm scared. I'm fearful. Help, help me. Right, so I've got those people who are older than me and are able to speak into my life, and you'll see that, uh, you'll see that, you know, even even Paul got instruction, even Barnabas got instruction, even Apollos got instruction, right? Peter got instruction from other men. Nobody in the Bible uh, didn't was without instruction from from other from other men, without relationship with other men. And so, why would we be? Why would we be? And the key here is that we're following Jesus in, in positioning ourselves underneath someone else. It's not like I haven't, I haven't sold out to the cult of Pastor Brett Fuller. I've sold out to following Jesus and I just see so much of Jesus in Pastor Brett Fuller. And so I follow him, but I'm not supposed to be like him. Was anybody here for my first sermon? It was so awkward, wasn't it? I tried to wear a bow tie. (laughs) so awful. He, he preaches. He's a, he's, he's a um, mid-50s black man, really well-spoken, really well-read, super diplomatic. And then you've got me. Who at the time, I was right off the college campus. And I'm talking about, my my preaching illustrations are like crack cocaine and (laughs) knocking off liquor stores. That's like where my mind was. And I'm standing here with a stool on the stage and a bow tie and a jacket. But by the time the sermon was, like, I was taking it all off. (laughs) Because I was so stressed out. (laughs) But God didn't call me to be a mini Pastor Brett. He's called me to be like him. And he's given me Pastor Brett to help me follow God and to become more like him. And so I don't model everything that I am after Pastor Brett, but Pastor Brett helps me see Jesus more clearly so that I can follow him more effectively. Does that make sense? And so, and it's not just bow ties. Pastor Brett does some things that are, that are probably, you know, process in his life. He drinks kombucha, right? I feel like that probably reveals something. There's something going on in his soul. That just doesn't, I don't, I didn't, I don't see that in the Bible. (laughs) Don't use that excuse for anything, by the way. Um, He also works out at four o'clock in the morning. I was in Chantilly and he was talking about, he, so he wakes up at four o'clock in the morning and he, and he runs on the treadmill super, super, super fast and, and does like triple digit math while he's running on the treadmill. The only math on the treadmill at any time of day for me is how long till I'm getting off. Right? And I can't even think clearly about that. I just want off. So the math stops real fast. And so anyway, anyway, that's, so you're not supposed to be positive. So here's where you got to write something down. I need you to write down the name of someone whose faith inspires you. And actually write down a few names. Because the orientation of a disciple is not someone who goes to one, you're following Jesus and God, what he's going to do in this community is we're called together, is he's going to provide for you many people who have faith that is commendable to you and that you can, you can learn something from. So there's going to be more than one person. If there's one person, you can write that one person down, and my hope is that that person, your first question to that person would be like, who else can help me with my faith? Right? But there should be more than one person who you can look at and say, man, their faith is commendable to me. I want, I want, to, I want to follow Jesus like they follow Jesus. And if you didn't have anybody, you can write in Pastor Eddie. (laughs) We're going to keep moving for time. Then we've got those at the same stage. In this community of people that God places us in, they're going to be those who are at the same stage as us. I think that this is a big part of why many of us don't advance in our relationship with God is because we, we, we... Stay out of the relationships that would have the most for us, and those are that goes for the for the previous relationship, but that that it certainly goes for this this peer relationship where we're at, and you know where where you can have where where you can go and have fun and have a party and go to a cookout and hang out at the pool and and do whatever it is that you're doing, Uh, but also allowing that relationship to get into the deeper things of life. In, in, sh- in, in sharing what are my struggles right now and, and what are your struggles right now and w- how can I help you in your struggle and how can you help me in my struggle? What does it look like for, for you to follow Jesus right now? And this is what it's looking like for me to follow Jesus right now. Um, I'm not saying that you know, it's like a holy huddle and that's all you talk about, but I'm saying to season, season your relationships with conversation about what it means to follow Jesus in the season that you're in. That includes uh, that includes dreaming, and this is what I'm hoping that God does. And this includes just kind of the practical, right now, right here, kind of life things. So go ahead and um, go ahead and write some some names down of people who are peers who you can walk with that maybe God's put around you. People who are like, oh, this person's going after Jesus. This person has. I mean, I see them serving, or I see them on Sundays. Maybe there's maybe they've got something. Maybe they've got something for me. If you're new to the if you're new to the church and you don't know anybody here, uh, you can write down Pastor Eddie. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> but really, write his name down. <laughs> no, you can write my name down, and and we'll talk, and we'll we'll figure out who who can we introduce you to, who can we get you plugged in. Um, just as a side note, this is a great op- like a plug right here for small groups, right? Like this is. This is why we. This is why we have small groups. Um, if you're clapping, you better be in one. Uh, uh, this group that this group of peers that Jesus called to follow Him, He would take them through extraordinary, an extraordinary and a bizarre process in in the in, in order to prepare them to be able to go and make disciples. They'd get thrown into the into the proverbial fire they'd have to feed 5,000 people with just a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread they'd they'd have to listen to enormously difficult teachings of, of Jesus and and they'd have to he'd say things like you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood and they had to sit here and process this together he had to they had to listen to him talk about he was going to be taken and he was going to he was going to be torn down and he was going to return like what what's that about and how does that even work they would eventually see him get beaten and and get murdered in front of them and, and they, had, they, they processed that together and then they would eventually see him resurrected from the dead and experience that together and God would take them through all of these really insane kind of remarkable experiences in order to develop their character and to make them more like them in order to bring them to to a place of faith where they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be shaken by small things and they could stand up against against the most difficult of things. And so here they are. And, and maybe, maybe for you, you, you haven't had to feed 5,000 with two loaves and two fish or five loaves and two fish, but, but maybe you've been at a place where you couldn't stretch your money and you weren't sure how you were going to pay your bills. Maybe that was yours. And maybe, maybe you've been in a community where you've experienced cancer or the death of a loved one, or you've experienced, uh, you know, a severe severe illness or injury, and, and you've gone through that together. So you might not have gone through the exact experiences that Jesus took the disciples through, but Jesus most certainly has brought you through circumstances and situations where he intended for you to be balm to the community and the community to be balm for your soul as well. And if you're not living in community, then you missed out on an important part of the process of the difficulty that got took you through so let's talk about uh, those who are still growing those that are younger than us in faith now let me say that any given time I can learn from anybody my children are teaching me about a relationship with God. And there are people who in our foundations class have these revelations and the, these ideas and they bring them to me. And I'm like, man, I never saw it that way. I love discipleship because when I'm, tra- when I'm teaching somebody to read the Bible or when I'm teaching somebody to, to like think, think biblically, right, they, they bring these ideas back. And I'm like, my goodness, I had no idea that was in there. You know, this, this, uh, this one girl brought me this idea one time. She was reading about Moses and the burning bush. And, you know, you see the burning bush? And I've preached on that. I've used the point. I acted like it was mine. I gave her credit the first couple times. But you'll, you'll, and then it, yeah, stole it. Possession is nine-tenths, right? Or not. That's not in the Bible either. So, so she's like, hey, Moses comes up on the burning bush, but the bush wasn't being consumed. She goes, I feel like God was telling Moses that I'm going to use you just like I'm using the bush, but I'm not going to burn you up. And I was like, dang, go ahead and read that Bible. It was super helpful for me. Thank you, Sarah, for that revelation that I've stolen. So the people that are younger than us, it's looking and saying, hey, look, I've got something for this person. It happens in business all the time, right? In certain communities, you, it happens in business. People see somebody and it's like, I'm going to take interest in you. I'm going to bring you up. Reggie, you can go ahead and come forward, but you can, you can, um, you can, you can see somebody and you go, I've got something for you. I can help you process this. I can help you through this. Hey, young couple, I can help you get through this. Hey, struggling person, I can help you get through this. Hey, finance, person struggling with finances, I can help you get through this because I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, and I made it. This is an important part of the process, not just for the person who's receiving the counsel that you have, but it's important for you because you'll learn more even as you teach even as you help people see what they don't see faith will grow in your own heart, as you see people come up and walk into the things that God has for them and find perspective and find health and find healing and find wholeness the way that God wants them to. And then we're given this mission and the mission is that of changing the world. We're going to change the world y'all. Amen. I know we don't, we don't speak this way a whole lot, but like, like he gives us this mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And all this is the process that prepares us to be able to do that. And a big part of the reason that the world hasn't been changed is because we haven't given ourselves to his process. We haven't given ourselves to follow him. We haven't given ourselves to relationship with one another. Or we haven't given ourselves to the mission of going and bringing other people into this life-changing, transforming, um, purpose-giving relationship with Jesus. The mission isn't just to go into Starbucks and start telling everybody about Jesus. Right? Just kind of But it's to go out and love people well and show them the love of Jesus and invite them into a relationship with him. The call of Jesus is to go and make disciples of people who hear the invitation of Jesus to follow and to live in community with one another and to invite more people into this community. Thank God the disciples didn't just keep to them their own community. Or we wouldn't be here. We're here today as a direct result of them being faithful to the commission that God gave them. And we have the opportunity to be faithful to the commission that God's giving us. As we are disciples to then go make disciples. That's the mission is not just to get people into church. It's to invite people into an invigorating relationship with Jesus where their purpose is realized, where their soul's longings are satisfied and their relationships are brought in that help them experience the first two more fully than ever before. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this invitation. God, I ask that you would... Awaken us to your invitation, not just to be churchgoers, not just to be church attendees, not just to uh, occasionally put something in the basket or, or occasionally attend a special event or, or give something to a food bank, but God, that we would, we would hear the invitation to follow you with anticipation and excitement for what's possible. God, we wouldn't dread being placed in community with one another, but we would find joy and excitement in that. That you love us so much that you gave us one another. So we wouldn't just have to figure it out. And God, that you would give us the courage to join you in your mission. Oh, if it means, if it means fighting human trafficking, if it means feeding the starving, if it means building wells, if it means, if it means raising money for a teen center, God, whatever, the, whatever, it, whatever it looks like for us, God, let it be added to demonstrating your love. Let it be outflow of satisfaction in you and not something that's taking place instead of that. If there's anybody here today and, and you're like, man, I, I want to I follow Jesus. Maybe for the first time. Maybe you've been away for a long time and you're like, I got to recalibrate. I, I want to follow Jesus. Can you raise your hand? I just, I just want to pray with you and encourage you. all good so father help us all to follow you today to follow you tomorrow and to follow you wherever you would lead that we wouldn't hit the end button too early in jesus name